To weave a web, a spider needs just the liquid silk in her body and some comfort with chance. She tugs a few threads of silk out of the spinnerets at the back of her body. Then she sits, and she waits. And when the right breeze hits, it lifts those threads up, catching one of them on something like a branch. This anchors the first line. And then she gets to work, drawing different kinds of silks out of her body. The stronger fibers for the outer frame, and softer and stickier ones for the inside. In sometimes just an hour, a spider doesn't only build her world, but she also programs a way of navigating it. Different threads have different frequencies, and she listens to their unique vibrations to figure out what's going on and where to go. In a way, it's like a talking map. At the next stop sign, turn right. On a June afternoon, I drove out to Vermont to visit a spiderweb farm, a place where allegedly over 16,000 webs have been spun and collected since 1977. In a quarter mile, turn right onto Spiderweb Farm Road. What? They have a road named after them? I'm Abby Peralt, and this is Atlas Webscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and fibrous places. Today, we travel to Williamstown, Vermont, to visit the only known spiderweb farm on the planet. Turn right onto Spiderweb Farm Road, then the destination is on your right. Damn, it really is called Spider Web Farm Road. And here we are. That's after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Hi. How are you? Good, how are you? All right. My name is Abby. Hi, I'm Will. Nice to meet you. This is Will Knight Jr., second-generation spiderweb collector. When I get out of the car, he's out on the porch, and he leads me inside to meet his mom. Hello! Terry Knight. Nice to meet you, Terry. You must have been speeding. Terry is a first-generation web collector. Her story has, for nearly 50 years now been intertwined with the lives of local spiders. 
The ones that build round, wheel-shaped, silky swarms, like you might remember from Charlotte's web. They're beautiful webs. So beautiful, in fact, that the Knights started a business selling them as art. As Terry and I start talking, she points to one that's hanging on the wall, next to where we're sitting at the kitchen table. I'll show you this, this web. That, this was Will's favorite web. The Will she's referring to here is Will Knight Sr., her husband, affectionately known as the spider web guy. But when Terry first met him, spiders weren't yet a part of their story. Terry was an opera lover from New Jersey, and Will... Will was a tugboat. He ran a water taxi in New York Harbor. He was kind of balding, and he had tattoos at that time on his fingers. The first time they met, they decided to go on a walk. And on that walk... He took my hand, and he looked at me and he said, Kejelida Manina? It was a line sung by one of Terry's favorite opera singers. And the rest, she says, was history. It was a uh, match made on the on stage. You know, I don't think he ever expected that it would end up in marriage. I certainly never did. <laughs> they started a family together in Brooklyn, then moved to Vermont, where Will got a job working for the state highway department. But at some point, that work came to an end. So he was stuck look, looking for a job and didn't fit into the Vermont working world very easily. He was tattooed, he had a real strong Brooklyn accent, and he was a character. So Will turned to woodworking. He started making knickknacks, furniture, cabinets, jewelry boxes, but they didn't always sell. Oh, and he tried everything. Meanwhile, Terry was stuck at home, without a car, in rural Vermont. So she started getting into painting, and then started getting experimental with her paintings. And one day... I guess I, I came across the spider web, and I remember reading this article about collecting the spider web. And somewhere in the back of my mind, I had the notion that I could collect that spider web simply with a can of spray paint. So Terry shooed off the spider, sprayed the web with some white paint, and slowly approached it from behind with some leftover wood from Will to kind of scoop it up and mount it. She painted some flowers around it, and they brought their creation to the farmer's market. And uh, it sold. Mm, it sold quickly. No. <laughs> it was there for a while. Okay. But it did sell. So they decided to make some more. And then those sold too. People were buying webs instead of cabinets. That's what it turned out to be. And that's what we settled into. Webs were suddenly in demand. Will and Terry recognized this. And at one point, they made this sign that says, Real Spider Webs. People read it from across the field and would come flocking to see these real spider webs. Mm. It suddenly became a business. At least that's what we, we called it a business. Our accountant didn't. <laughs> Terry said at first, they'd just kind of gather up a web wherever they saw one. But they needed more consistency. They needed more webs to meet this growing demand. So to transition into a working web farm, Will came up with a system. He was determined to gather up as many spiders as he could in one place so they would make their webs. So first, 
they got to know their workers. Terry said they always had a number of local species of orb weavers. And one of the big ones was Arrhenius cavaticus. That's a barn spider, an ordinary barn spider. Big, fat body, mm-hmm. usually gray in color, striped legs, not very pretty, kind of ferocious looking. Mm-hmm. But they make the most beautiful orb webs. The females are the weavers, and they spin prolifically, sometimes once a day. And after about a year of weaving and eating, they reproduce, and then they die. And Terry was seeing that whole life cycle taking place in one specific corner of the house. We still were using the porch as a, as, as a, uh, a place to relax. And, and But very slowly it became an incubator for spider eggs because there were so many spiders there that they'd always bump into one another. And while I, I know that there's a mating process, I have never caught a male and female spider indulging. <laughs> but they found the evidence, egg sacs. How does it happen? I don't know. All I know is that at some point in time, there was a little puffball up in a corner somewhere. And as winter turns into spring, some of those will change a little bit. They'll get, grow a little darker. So we, uh, we would go around middle of May and just watch. And when the perfect day came, Sometimes it it would be rain, something would activate it, and the egg would pop. And when it popped, these little tiny spiderlings would come out. A lot of spiderlings, and I mean a lot. Picture hundreds of tiny barn spiders, about the size and color of a grain of pepper, bursting forth into the world, then converging in on the broken egg. They would come out and they just kind of cluster and they start to let out the silk. This is when Terry and Will would spring into action. Because once they take off, they're gone. Terry's not joking around. Spiderlings can fly. And how they do it is pretty remarkable and still a little mysterious. They cast these long strands of silk and In some combination of electrostatic repulsion and riding soft currents of wind, they can be lifted and taken hundreds of miles from where they started. We would have containers ready, and Will would climb up a ladder and scoop up all the silk he could. Then he'd bring that container of silk, dotted with teeny tiny spiderlings, over to the barn, which was filled with rows and rows of empty wooden frames. And some of those spiderlings would crawl out of the container and up into the racks, and they'd set up shop. And this system, while really hands-on, it worked. There was often a spider web in each of the racks. There were dozens and dozens of these frames, which in webs translates to a count of... Thousands and thousands in the early days. You know, how much money do you make on a, a spider web? You need you need the volume, but you can't keep looking at spiders and seeing their handiwork without marveling at what they do and thinking about what you're doing while you're collecting them. Mm-hmm. 
At any point, did that make you think maybe we shouldn't be collecting them? Of course. Oh, of course. Terry talks about her family as farmers, but it's clear they never viewed the spiders as livestock. They were the artists. And Terry and Will didn't want them to be starving artists. We would have a method of collecting from one section a, a day so that he wouldn't deplete their food supply. We tried, we tried to figure out how to feed spiders, but I wasn't up to getting grasshoppers and throwing them into the webs. <laughs> Will, but Will would do that. He would catch live grasshoppers and toss them at a web. He would catch a fly and do that. He would catch a fly. He developed a real good relationship with them, in spite of the fact that he took their webs. They must have, they must have cared enough about him to stick around. And another thing happened. Through selling the webs, Will developed a good relationship with a lot of humans, too. People started coming from around the country to talk to Will about the webs, and at some point, from around the world. He could talk spider webs. 24-7. He was a great talker, too. He loved to talk. Um, as he got older, he was beginning to lose his, his thoughts. And he could still talk spiders. But everybody got a different story about, you know, he was, he was getting tired. And his body was aching. He had cancer for many, many years. As Will got sicker it became harder to think about the future of the farm. But we didn't expect that we would have a fire. In October of 2016, a fire broke out while Terry and Will were at an appointment. By the time the fire department got there, the barn and what was inside of it was damaged beyond repair. We had a lot of webs. A lot of spiders work. <laughs> workers got, went up in smoke. It was just, it just took all the life out of him. It was the saddest thing. Less than a year later, Will passed away at his home on Spiderweb Farm Road. We had 60 years. We've known, we knew each other 60 years at the time of his death. And he was a good man. He wasn't the greatest breadwinner, but he was, he was a good man. The shop. This is the shop. <laughs> These are pictures of your dad. My dad. There's a small shop that now stands where the old barn burned down. It's full of some plaques, spider brochures, and photos. Across the driveway, a few spinning frames still hang in the shed. And Terry and her son do what they can to keep the operation going. But over the past few years, something's changed. The spiders just aren't showing up. They don't know exactly what's happening. Whether it's a loss of a light that came down after the fire, more birds in the area, fewer bugs, maybe someone using pesticides, or if it's something bigger, the increasingly erratic weather with climate change. I'm concerned about them now because my some of my friends tell me that they don't have the spiders that they used to have. Mm. And so it makes you wonder about what's happening to us and what the future is going to bring. 
While I'm there, Terry and her son are determined to try to find just one spider egg. So they take me out to the porch, a.k.a. the spider egg incubator. Will disappears inside of the house to find a spatula, which he uses to inspect and transfer the eggs. Meanwhile, Terry points to this cluster of white splotches dotting the porch floor. If you look at the, at the ground here, at the, uh, the wood, you'll see their droppings. This is spider poop? This, the white stuff? Yep. Wow. I don't think it's I've been ever... there for a couple of years, though. Oh. I mean, this may be old spider poop. This, look at it here. Yeah, that's, so you, and that's what that's we go by. That's a well-fed spider. <laughs> well, one would think so. <laughs> and one would think it'd be very happy to come back. Yeah. Sarah, Abby has never seen spider poop before. No. This is my, my first Lovely, introduction. <laughs> Will reemerges and starts climbing up a ladder, spatula in hand. Hey, take it easy now. You One know. right here, maybe. Did it, did it hatch? No, I see a spider, though. Oh, a spider itself? We got one. We got a guy making a nest right here, a web. Oh, really? Yeah. There's another. I see a couple small ones. Oh, good. Yeah, I see three or four here. Oh, that's good. Well, that's encouraging, at least. Yeah. There's a little bit of hope in this corner of the porch. The future of the night spider web farm is unclear, but in the end, there is a spider egg. One wispy white disc lodged within some silk stretching across a window facing the porch. Likely, it's full of hundreds of spiderlings. Maybe some of them will begin a life weaving webs in these racks in the shed. Others will balloon hundreds of miles away. But each of them is full of liquid silk and has the capacity to weave something extraordinary, though temporary, something much bigger than itself for the brief year that it gets on this planet. A really special thank you to Terry Knight and her son Will Knight for taking the time to talk to me, for showing me around the spiderweb farm, and of course for introducing me to spider poop. If you want to visit the farm yourself, You can do so between June and October, but please make sure you call ahead or check their website to see if they're open. We've dropped a link in the show notes. And while there might not be a ton of spiders out there at this point, you can still go and visit Terry. My eyesight is bad. I'm old. I'm not going to be around for too long. I can't stand very long, Um, but I'll talk. I'll talk to you. I'll tell you about our experiences with spiders. And uh, and I've got stories I haven't, you know, I, I can't begin to tell all of the stories that I've either heard from Will or taken part in myself. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. The production team includes Dylan Therese, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire, Gabby Gladney, Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. I'm Abby Peralt. Thanks for joining.
the world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure they are always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. Hi, I'm Lale Arakoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Women Who Travel is a transported podcast for anyone curious about the world. We talk to adventurers and athletes. I've raced the God's Own Adventure Race, which is on the South Island and goes through the mountains down in the Southern Alps on New Zealand. That was eight days spent out in the wilderness. And chefs. Iranian food is home, it's family, it's love. And we share dispatches from our listeners. Ireland is full of these, I will call them ghosts of the past. From stampeding elephants to training sled dogs. We hear it all. The dogs will curl right up with you and it can be kind of cozy waiting things out. New episodes of Women Who Travel publish every Thursday. Join us wherever you listen. Listen.